Hi everyone, it's Upasna, and this is Don't Butcher It, a podcast where I teach you to be self-aware, but not too self-aware, otherwise you'll probably be miserable forever. This is a solo episode, so um, I will just be talking by myself, but I did want to start off the episode with this question that my friend Mora asked me the other day. I've been thinking a lot about the question, how are you? Despite the pandemic, I still work in an office where I interact with other people, a co-working space with a roving cast of characters who every day pose the same question to me sitting up at the front desk. How are you? Most commonly, it's asked casually with little to no care about my answer. I say, good, and you? Most of the time? Or, well, thank you, how are you? When I want to flex on them that I have an English degree. But in my head, I mainly think about the hilarity and discomfort that would ensue if I answered this question honestly to my work acquaintances. Examples might include, how are you? Ah, honestly, I'm so sleepy. I had a bunch of sex dreams last night and I like barely slept. How about you? Or, hey, how are you? Uh, yeah, not great. I like cried so much in my car on the drive here. Like so many tears. <laughs> It wasn't until living in the pandemic that I started thinking about how inane the intent of this question is versus what our social interactions might look like if how are you wasn't a stand-in for just hello, but rather a real question that sought real connection. Honestly, the first question that comes to my head is what is the history of how are you? Like what was the intention behind the question when the first person who ever asked it, asked it. (laughs) My guess is that it's way deeper than the kind of how are you that feels more like a statement than an actual question or interest in your well-being. And to be honest, if I asked someone how they were and they said shitty or overshared even just a little bit or gave me an honest to God answer, I would be taken aback. But I honestly would play it off because I'd be like, okay, respect. But To be honest, it's just as easy to say, well, you seem like a resilient person. You'll get through it. Or, oh, my God, I also had a weird sex dream last night, (laughs) you know, (laughs) depending on the context of where this question is taking place, of course, Um, that would determine your honesty. But even in the workplace, I think we should normalize coming in not feeling so good or recovering from an argument with our partner or exhausted from taking care care of the kids or hungover from your best friend's going away party and and talking about that. I'm not saying we should emotionally dump on our coworkers, but I am saying we we should allow ourselves and and allow others to be full human beings. Maybe we can do this by bringing more meaning into the things about human connection that uh, we take for granted or seem like formalities or politeness, but have the potential to be so much more than that, even within the small number of minutes that it can take place during. We can do that by, you know, accepting answers other than I'm good or I'm well to how are you? I mean, I just maybe can pose a challenge more and I can both pose a challenge. I'll do so on behalf of her. Sorry, not sorry. 
<laughs> but um, maybe we can pose a little challenge. Like the next time you ask someone, how are you? Maybe not your barista, but like maybe your friend, you can just like randomly check in and be like, hey, how are you? How are you doing? Like, like really? Or the next time when they ask you that question and if they seem like they have time to answer it, you can say, well, you know, my normal answer would be I'm good. But my real answer is that I am actually super emotionally exhausted from this week and I can't wait for it to be over. <laughs> I realize that what I'm saying is very demanding of you like in terms of do you have the capacity to be able to process your emotions in that moment enough for to be able to answer that question to someone um and maybe i'm looking at it too deeply but it's it's true like sometimes we ignore our emotions we don't really know what's going on and we can't even answer that that question for ourselves like we don't even know how we are so i think that's something that's important to think about and to hold given everything that maura said and that i said i also think it's very important to think about being honest with yourself because of what i'm going to talk about next i was thinking a lot about the idea of being honest with yourself and like the title of this episode suggests embrace your bad That's actually what I want to talk about today. Your shadow self, the quote-unquote bad things about yourself that your brain forces into the the back of your mind. I am very interested in exploring how embracing the shadow self can lead to a, a stronger ability to love yourself, a stronger ability to know yourself. In order to talk about the the shadow self, (laughs) I have a very nice, I'm typing it up right now. You can see I'm very professional on this podcast. Um, Ah, I googled shadow self Wikipedia. All right. Just for you. For you. I I can hear the haunting words of this. You must use peer reviewed sources echoing in the back of my brain. You're out of school, man. You can use Wikipedia Wikipedia if you want to. Most people are. Let's be honest. We're all just going off of Wikipedia knowledge here. In Jungian psychology, the shadow, also known as the id, shadow aspect or shadow archetype, is either an unconscious aspect of the personality that the conscious ego does not identify in itself or the entirety of the unconscious, that is, everything of which a person is not fully conscious. In short, the shadow is the unknown side. And here's the thing about the shadow self. It shows up Every day. It shows up. uh, It has showed up in the past during the times you were not proud of. It has shown up. It's a symptomatic phenomenon. And the the symptoms of the shadow self that we often repress, which can be certain thoughts or feelings or just anything that we think, okay, that's negative. That should not be occurring in my mind whatsoever. I'm disgusted and ashamed with myself. I... I'm going to talk about my shadow self, okay? Because that's what I know best. And hopefully I can model vulnerability for you all. So you're like, okay, I know, I get it. One of my biggest shadow self characteristics is my possessiveness. I'm a very possessive person. And I blame the patriarchy. I blame the idea of monogamy, the forced institution that it is. 
a forced institution that I very much participate in. And <laughs> I have possessive, I have possessiveness issues. What I mean by that is if I, if someone that I like tells me that, you know, oh, I slept with this person or like, this is some, I was in love with this person. I will like think about them with that person, like, and be disgusted. Like I'll want to throw up into my mouth. Like I will gag. <laughs> Cause I'm like, how can that be possible? Not how can that be? Po it's not a matter of like, I'm shocked that, you know, this person exists in a realm outside of my mind, but more of like, oh my gosh, like I thought what we had is special and you share some aspects of what I find special with that other person. And that possessiveness issue, when I say it out loud, sounds very silly because it's like, you know, if you trust that, if you trust that person, if that person has told you that they're committed to you then like there's that's it's not really like there's the cause and effect just doesn't make sense like why would you feel that way but the truth is like I have felt that way in all of my relationships I felt another part of my shadow self is 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 jealousy I'm an extremely jealous person not of people in my everyday life but of people that have been lucky enough to share the love of people uh that I've shared with that I've shared yeah, romantically. Um, the way to kind of work through that, what I've learned in therapy and what is just common in all of the suggestions that I've seen from Instagram psychologists, which is something I'll get into later, you need to ask yourself why you feel that way, right? And like, usually I don't. Usually I just push it back and I'm like, ew, like stop being insecure. Like you also have been physically intimate with other people and publicly interact with, you know, historically romantic and sexual partners in front of current <laughs> sexual partners. So why are you worried what the unhealed areas of myself are or the parts of myself that can't really accept that reality? Those parts of myself are the obstacles towards having real, honest, healthy, romantic relationships. And yes, I something I've been thinking about. This is just a side note. Like I feel like I I bring up romantic relationships a lot. I will be bringing like romantic relationships are like the ways in which I've learned about myself most. Um I have learned a lot about myself through friendships as well, but I think romantic relationships have been the medium through which I have been most vulnerable. Thus I have been both, you know, done both positive and, uh, you know, abhorrently negative things. So I've been able to like see myself in a very clear way through relationships and how I've behaved in them, which is why I bring them up so often. So uh, everything I just said took me a really, it took me a really long time to get there and to like understand that about myself. And even now I catch myself exhibiting similar patterns, right? Like, like, fantasizing and idealizing about a person or idealizing about a situation or projecting potential onto a person when you really don't have any proof of that potential. You just are projecting your reality and idea of what the relationship could be onto the person. Ugh, awkward. Not great. Not fun. Um, so I think asking the why, and that, that means coming face to face with their shadow self. That means the next time you feel a feeling that you don't want to feel, the next time you feel a feeling you don't want to feel, you, bars, bars, straight bars right there. <laughs> um, anyway, you 
you have to ask yourself, like, why? Why do I not want to deal with this part of me, even though it's very much a part of me and I'm feeling it now and I'm ex- I'm experiencing it in my in my mind and through my emotions? You you go from there, and it takes time and it takes honesty. But I think this is one way we can really get to know ourselves and truly accept ourselves. Because the thing is, accepting yourself doesn't mean accepting a future version of yourself that you will one day be through your hard work every day of being self-critical and hating on yourself and not giving yourself enough credit or not giving yourself enough grace. Like that, that's not what it is. Accepting yourself means accepting yourself along the way. And, you know, there are going to be some people who listen to this podcast, by the way, to which this this advice applies to everyone. It applies to people who I probably wouldn't even be friends with or people who are racist or people who are homophobic. Because the thing is, we can never truly be the best versions of ourselves until we accept ourselves. And accepting yourself is the is the primary it's the first step towards any form of self-improvement because self-improvement true self-improvement comes from a place of love and not hate it's really important that i that i tell you that and that you know that because i can't just give you all this advice and not tell you that that is one thing you really just gotta you gotta carry with you so I really got interested in everything I'm talking about right now through therapy, but also through Instagram psychologists who are accessible to anyone that has an Instagram account, um, anyone who has a YouTube account for that matter. Um, So one Instagram psychologist that I love so much is the holistic psychologist. I'm looking her up right now to give you... Uh, her username. Her name is Dr. Nicole LaPera, and um, her Instagram name is the.holistic.psychologist. And like, it may seem a little like cheesy for some of you or a little bit too like self-helpy and that's okay. But there is some stuff on here that's super helpful. And I think, you know, it can be really odd to like have this on your Instagram feed and to like scroll through, you know, selfies and hot mirror photos and pictures of puppies and then, you know, come across a slide that says healing from trauma means learning how to be conscious, how to breathe, how to meditate, you know, like uh, codependency is chronic self-neglect, you know, opening up your Instagram at 8 a.m. and seeing that first thing can't be, it's not too fun, but she has a blog. You know, a lot of people can't afford therapy and a lot of people can't make it to therapy like they can't just think like the the idea of it is really hard to to digest and I get that and I think starting off with the willingness to learn about yourself through a medium that is familiar which is social media is a fantastic way to take care of your mind um it it doesn't you know you can't just do like one step at a time like all these different things kind of come together um they have all these different names like you know uh shadow self and conscious and subconscious and awaken spiritual awakenings and like all these like really deep deep words but you know you you call it what you want at the end of the day it's just tools to help you know yourself and appreciate yourself and cope with any anxieties surrounding yourself um, and the perception of yourself. 
talking to friends is okay too. Going to therapy is a very different thing than learning from Instagram psychologists and journaling on your own and doing shadow work on your own and all that. Like it's a very different thing. I don't want to, I don't want to put out the idea that therapy is the same thing. It's not. Um, but if you have an external support system that can really help, whether you're, you're in therapy or you're just someone that's learning about themselves on their own. At the end of the day, though, it's it's your own journey and your unhealed parts of yourself, your trauma, all of that, they are very heavy things to carry. And everyone's got their own to carry. I think separating venting from constructive, objective discussion about your behavior are very two different things. Like, do you have a friend you can do that with every now and then? Just like be like, you know, that thing that I do a lot that I've done in my life, that pattern that you've been around to see for a really long time. Like, would you be down to like hear my thoughts about that? Because it's kind of it's kind of it's something that ha- it, it, it's a thing, right? Like you've seen it, you know, versus like just pouring out what your thoughts are because your therapist is your therapist and your support system is your support system, you know, and uh, the work you do with yourself is different than the discussions that you have with your friends. The point of this whole discussion (laughs) is that when you learn how to accept all the parts of yourself and yes, including the stuff that's cringe or unhealed or embarrassing or even frightening, you end up having gratitude for the parts of yourself you don't give yourself enough credit for, and you are able to form a healthy relationship with those shadow parts rather than, you know, beating them down and repressing them so they can just inevitably spill out here and there for the rest of your life. Whenever I say shadow self too, I think about Kronk from The Emperor's New Groove and how he had Angel Kronk and Devil Kronk on his shoulders. Devil Kronk is your shadow self, and I don't want to equate that to the religious religious symbolism and meaning behind the devil and the angel, but you know what I'm saying, right? That's all I have for y'all today. I hope you enjoyed. Bye. Bye.